Would you ever call what you do work? If you had to go back and explain to a serf who's toiling the fields of like, oh, another day of hoveling shit. And you go, I had to write some copy. And none of my family members died while I was doing it, you know? <laughs> and also I'm healthy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about even, you, you know, my dad worked like two jobs, was going back to school, raising two kids. Mm-hmm. He had to be at these jobs in a physical location, yeah. working, you know, two full-time sets of hours. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I can't Someone, do it. Someone's on the couch. Yeah. Isn't it nap time? <laughs> it's nine in the morning. Oh, So, yes. It's that trope of, oh, your generation is... It's weak, you know. We used to do well, and then I realized, like, it's probably well, true. Yeah, there's some things that are pretty true. <laughs> the, the whole, you know, yeah, I walked to school, blah blah. blah. It's like I walked to school too for a while, and I got tired of it, so I got a bike. Yeah, I think I learned how to work smarter, not harder. That's the thing. You you try and do that, but there's some elements where you know you just can't or situate. Like my grandma, you know, grew up in Nebraska in the middle of nowhere on yeah, a farm. And it's like, there's no working smarter. I mean, unless you got a better tractor or something, but she's like, that, yeah. I'd wake up in the morning, Aaron, and the glass of water next to my bed would be frozen. <laughs> I was like, what? Yes. She's like, I had two horse blankets on, but it wasn't enough. <laughs> and they were horse blankets yeah. and they were horses that she had as pets. <laughs> and they're like, well, they're dead now. Let's turn them into blankets. Mm-hmm. And that's what you'll be sleeping with. Right. And we're going to be eating, uh, Horse meat for the next two winters. You know those cows that you named? Speaking of barbering. Chapter 13. Uh, log 13. We have arrived. Whatever. To, <laughs> we're in Deslin, a, a favorite destination. It's the place you and I want to go. Mm-hmm. It's when you ask what my favorite city is. It's that one with all the restaurants and the the mean people saying things and they all have things to say. Talk about Dick Slash Resort. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just the one in the Excalibur. Oh, yeah. That's where I like to go. I like to stay at the castle, please, and then <laughs> go to the sad bar for sad people. No, Desalyn was my stab when I when I was trying to picture it in my head. It was downtown L.A. for me. There's like there's a downtown L.A. Is not just that place from Predator Two. That is, it's always hot. <laughs> the can't everything's a little out of focus. It's it's a bunch of little different places. And I've lived there a few times, just in different parts of it. But it was, I took a lot from my experience of living in like the financial or the arts district, which is between Skid Row, which is where you're legally allowed to have tents and stuff. But then you want to go, you need to go through there if you want to go to Little Tokyo. Or go buy a cheap MP3 player. Arguably the easiest part of the story to write. I like how you're like, you know, uh, I took a lot of inspiration for this city. It's uh, the areas directly around my apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we really discussed it. And this was like, I, I remember it was a little daunting because I, I took the first stab at it of just write the city of the RMZ. The the one last city. The came. kind of main yeah. hub. Well, we talked about it a lot, though, of yeah. like what it was, not necessarily what it looked like, but it was if you get enough people, arguably millions of degenerates and not so much degenerates, people. Just regular people well, sentence there. Yeah, yeah. Like the idea that we, we say earlier with Noel, you know, he missed a rent payment. So he's got a strike against him. Three strikes. You're exactly. sent to the RMZ. 
there are good people, normal people. And at some point you don't want to be tell, you don't want to show up on an episode of cops. You want to just live your life. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's Deslin's like the safe haven. There's lots of cities like infrastructure that's made from people who have nothing. Like there's structure to it. There's infrastructure, there's uh, you know, a system of police and just all this stuff, but it's like the, it's the off brand, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's also the place that skirm like leaves alone. Yeah. It's, it's not worth dealing with. It's, it's easier to just let exist mm-hmm. And, you know, if people want to go, that's fine. It seems like logically that would inevitably over time, something like that would just happen. You get enough engineers, enough good people who come there who are just looking for normal jobs or just want to live their life. The idea was that we had said that like they're tough as nails. I think we even say it. We end up just saying it in the chapter, which is like, if you're going to make it to Desalin, like you're going to have a few scars. Like mm-hmm. you're the, it's only the strong survive. And if there's no guarantee you're going to make it there. And like, we, we were just trying to figure out like, what is the experience of going to the RMZ? Like, do you stop at a border patrol? <laughs> like, I was going to thought like, like ice, just when you're going from, you know, uh, into Tijuana or you're going, yeah. you know, Brownsville, uh, into Mexico. And you're like, Im- immediately across the border, it's, it's different. And you basically, you would be, You'd be dropped off in the RMZ via like drone or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just train you there, uh, send you via train or something. Mm-hmm. But um, but then when you get there, it's like, all right, well, here you are. Mm-hmm. Well, what do I do? It's Figure just, it out. Yeah, it's like just letting the leash off at the dog park and they go, go play. Yeah. And immediately an explosion goes off. We'll or, see you in two years. Yeah. I mean, like the, the thought I originally had was like, it's like Hunger Games or something where the going back to that idea of a drone will come pick you up at your apartment and that's like, that's a long flight depending on where it is. But I, I like the idea that people are being shit. Like it's just a constant, it's like an Amazon factory. It's just a constant thing in motion. And so if you're lucky, you're near Deslin or you survive long enough and you find like that coyote who's like, Hey, for, you know, if, if you want to owe me some money, if you get right. some work, like I can get you to this place. And, but like that, that's just, Inevitably, it's like, it's like the, the legitimate black market kind mm-hmm. of. That's what Deslin like represents. And so it looks like downtown. And a little escape from L.A. <laughs> or escape from New York. Either one. They're the same movie. but I only like the one where he's on the giant wave. That's escape from L.A. I know it is. Yeah. It's where he's surfing next to a car, I think. Oh, next to Steve Buscemi. It's some of the worst, like blue screen technology of the the mid 90s late 90s well and that's the thing it was good at by that point but they did not use they didn't take the time yeah to do anything good I, with it I, I like when things are not quite there yet so it's like cgi in the second mortal Kombat movie when they're like we can do anything and then you see the final product you know like, it's just two polygons mm-hmm. hitting each other and you're like I don't want to talk about Escape from LA. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, until the next chapter when the true inspiration right. arrives of the wave surfing. Yeah, but being in um in Desolin then uh we it was funny we had talked about flea markets and uh I mean he's you know essentially Carrie starting to come into play more as like a future Yelp, you know? <laughs> well it's like the, the the idea is that Noel is off grid, he's somehow, you know, 
working independently, but there is this like closed network and carry has access to it. So yeah, it's like the most, you know, they're calling an archaic network, but it's what we have now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, it's only 5g and it's like, well, it'll have to work when, you know, in the future you're used to just terabytes of information moving uh, through a network. And now it's, you got a couple of megabytes to work with, <laughs> but that was fun to like work carry in of like, he's, it's sort of like, he's like, all right, this I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I can look up shitty information. Yeah, I can, I can give you a map, which to us is amazing. This idea of a GPS tracker is so cool. And like, Oh, it gets me around, but you know, to know like this archaic garbage that we just love. So it was, it was a cool opportunity to write about like, what is it like scrap land, which is, uh, forget if it's like a soccer stadium. Yeah. It was we just, were never yeah, really just a stadium, yeah. you know, some entertainment venue turned into, you know, basically a flea market swap meet. I always think yeah. cars when I th- think swap meet, but you know, Oh, not the Pixar movies. No, no, <laughs> okay. no. I think of like people with, you know, taillights from random, you know, cars yeah. and they're like, I ain't going to find this anywhere else. Like I find it, I'll find it on eBay. The, the swap meet I went to all the time was at an old speedway. And yep. Uh, there, there were those there. Yeah. Where it, I only knew it as a swap meet to actually see a car moving there would be strange. It's mm-hmm. this is where the Peruvian flute bands go. This is where I buy a 311 CD or something and uh some hat that was definitely not made by champs. <laughs> you know, it's just random assortments of knickknacks and stuff, but swap meets to me like it's such a one of the the fun things about like this writing this stuff is like swap meets are part of my childhood yeah. and so much so that they hold more fun and value to me than they do anyone else. Like I took a date to a swap meet two years ago. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's go to the swap meet. And I tell her the swap meet and she goes, so this is, this is all junk, right? And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's stuff that people need, you know, and they're bringing it here and you're going to find a treasure, you know, that you couldn't mm-hmm. find anywhere else. And she's like, Really? And they're like just vanity license plates and like <laughs> Coke bottles for like collector, uh, but not even collector. It's, it's like Super Bowl 94 can of Coke, <laughs> right. you know, and all this stuff and a VHS of something. Oh yeah. Inevitably tons of, and it's opened and it's really beat up. And, yeah. and so, uh, that relationship didn't last very long, uh, because of, uh, the things that I enjoyed and mm-hmm. were projecting and thinking that someone else would enjoy. It was two dates away from going to the dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look hard enough, you can find anything. here. A, another man, a one man's trash isn't honey. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? The other thing I did when I took it to swap me is I found some part to a car. It was like an old 55 Chevy. And I, so I, my uncle Mark had, has this car and I was like, Oh, maybe he might need one of those parts. So I started getting into a haggling thing with this guy and I wasn't going to buy it. I didn't need it. I didn't know if my uncle needed it, but I wanted to haggle. Yeah. And so we got down to a price that I thought was good. I was like, okay, well I'll think about it and walked off and I was like, I wasted not only my time, his time and my date's time by haggling down the price. I forgot so, the date was there. At, yeah. In, in the context so, of the story. I was so excited by getting a piece of junk for the right price. I, I think that's one of those weird moments that we never set out. This is the first time we've talked about how SWAT meets were a part of our childhood. Right. Clearly. Like when you start writing about this place, you go, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's a mess. 
it's the sewer people from Demolition Man. Like this is mm-hmm. these are our people. Rat burgers. Rat burgers and Budweisers. Like that's Dennis Leary's everywhere. Yeah, Dennis Leary. It's all a bunch of Dennis Leary's yeah. in this town. But the, like in the context of the story, <laughs> it's just Noel going to different Yelp reviews of just I just need to figure out what's on this thing mm-hmm. and no one wants to talk to him. But it was an interesting part too to write. Like we we seeded it early, but you see other frames, you see reused technology, but it's more personalized and it's more utilitarian of like, well, they're going to be used there to move boxes. And like what, what use could someone, you know, use with an old car? It is like the fun things you can play with in a dystopian world that's rebuilding itself. And it's also filled with, we kind of mentioned before, like the fun runners, the fronters. Uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. We didn't, we didn't talk about that before, but we put it, we still, that's the best we could come up with. Yeah. <laughs> when we talked about it, the idea was like, okay, you want to go to the RMZ through your frame and live in this world, but you don't want to be a part of war. You don't want to do it's, their shit. It's like living a Sims life or, or a second life or something, but a more tactile version of it. You know, you're right. completely like, you know, people who are in the Sims or, or second life or any name, your, you know, virtual world, they still kind of have a job and, yeah. and do it. But imagine if, you know, you could actually, uh, uh, interact with actual people and actual environment and make it, you know, that's, uh, it's not just destroying something virtually. It's actually having that tactile. Yeah. Sensation. I, I, I kind of got the feeling, the idea of it reminded me of like old software and stuff that, is dependent on the cloud and then you just change a few lines of code or whatever. Now it actually operates independently. Like it, it would be like buying like a Tesla and taking it off their network yeah. and boxing it in. I was, um, my brother had done something with his phone where he, he bought a Google phone and just de Googled the whole thing. And it's like that to me was the idea of taking this thing and then modifying it so much that it's, it's, it's off its original grid, but it's still operational. And, mm-hmm kind of it ended up working in the context of the story that that's essentially what Noel was kind of doing with mantis and like there was that like we were talking about the reading the manual of the hackintosh <laughs> mm-hmm. like in order to do this you this thing cannot phone home but you'd have to think that well there's a lot of people doing this with just the they want to live that second life they want to fuck skirm fuck that whole world um but it, it starts to create this weird you know mega city sort of thing which like I just think it looks cool. It's just like this weird mix of... I think it just looks cool. <laughs> I just think it's pretty awesome. And then Cyberpunk came out and went, God damn it. Well, you know what's funny is we were so... I remember... We were I remember worried. We were fucking worried about Cyberpunk when we were... Because we had started writing this all, all, you know... We started writing this... Cyberpunk was was announced like years, years ago, right? It's like 2011 or... That's like when the trailer came out, which yeah. I think was just they were excited they got the rights to make it. Right. But yeah, yeah. It, but, it, but we knew it was coming out somewhat <laughs> soon, and we knew it was coming out when we were, you know, maybe thinking about releasing the book. We were in the middle of writing this thing. We're like, fuck. This yeah. is going to be... It's either going to be... Uh, great because it gets people like interested in this kind of world and and genre again or it's going to be wow they copied all of that you know uh, which the the cyberpunk's been around for a while sci-fi yeah everything you know it's common tropes and etc but we i mean 
There's a general, just the nature of things now, there, there's going to be some fucker that goes like, oh, I see. They, they got it from Keanu going into this whatever. And I'm forever reminded of the story of the guy who called out James Cameron for ripping off Halo. Yeah. And he's like, they ripped me off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I choose to embrace inspiration and that, like, allow, just let everyone like things and just try to try your best to create something original the best you can without just full on ripping off a story. Cause that's like, you're going to sit there and go, well, Avatar is just Pocahontas. And you're like, well, it worked because <laughs> it made a billion fucking or $2 billion. Yeah. Uh, and, and then as soon as I saw clips of a guy in cyberpunk riding a motorcycle and then immediately going into a naked T pose mm-hmm. and morphing through a wall, going directly in the desert. I was like, I think we're going to be fine. We're okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember being, at one of the E3s and seeing where the story was going. And I remember going, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And once again, nothing we were doing with the story is like, this is all original stuff. It's, I think it's just the way we deliver it is th- that was the thing we were trying to do is like, okay, we can have it's stuff you could only do in a video game. stuff you can only really do in a book. At least that's my hope. I don't know. Like try to just use the medium to its best ability but i just think it's interesting that we had that fear we, i mean we, it was legitimate we had started writing desolin but i i know there were things like night city and this is the way it looks which is in in my mind it was i guess all sci-fi kind of, like, we have a we have a mood board out there somewhere yeah. that i put together and it basically looks like cyberpunk concept art with a bunch of other cool artists and stuff that it's like yeah i think it it all kind of swims in the same water but um, I'm not going to say there and be like, we're innovators. <laughs> I was confident we were going to see some character in that thing or, or some twist in there that was like, what is happening in our book? And I was like, God damn it, it's going to yeah. be the... I, too many times I've been making something or had some idea or some creative thing and or produced a show that ended up being ripped off that <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I was like... This is going to happen to this and it's going to be going to go down the fucking toilet. And then I went to this, I went to my dark place. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even this is an example. We, we, I don't know when or where I came up with the idea of putting QR codes in a book that you scan that leads to, to authors sucking each other off. But like, yeah. it's an, you know, the, my hope is, or I, and that's not my hope. I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm indifferent to whatever happens. But if, all of a sudden big publishers start doing the same thing. They're like, we got to do this thing. It's what they're doing. And we never see a dime. Right. <laughs> I could just at least go, well, at least I know my head's in the right place. And then like up your ass, it's way up there and it's, it's running out of air. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to suffocate. I I've, I've said it before that like there are no original ideas out there and these things are just floating out there. It's just, who's going to pick them out and figure it out or do something unique with it. But, um, at some point, especially around this chapter, got to get out of that headspace of just like, just write what you want to write. Get yeah. know where he needs to go, um, but tell an interesting story along the way. And so, like, we we had him going to these different like vendors, but it was fun to write this character Prox, who is showing kind of more of that world. Owns like an old record store looking kind of place, but then like has this back room and um, allows. The story progressed in some way, but I just wanted to hit those four letters. I know. As soon as you said, I was like, Jesus. Uh, no, that was good. I yeah. mean, the uh, 
I don't know if I had much to say about like, I liked, let me stop fucking saying I like. Say it, the things you don't like. I know. I, I want to know what, things. You, what do you fucking hate about this book? Oh man, <laughs> that'd be another great podcast. How much, how much room do these cards uh, have? Okay. You know, what's, what's funny about this. And, and I, I think about this with a log like 13, um, is there from now on. And I think we we do it a few places, but we let the environment stew a little, you know, we live in a place, we describe it a little more. Um, there's a couple, uh, a couple logs from now we really do that. But like, there's a world where <laughs> Rook is like 800 pages long or something. And it's just, you know, it's forgotten. Just, yeah. It's forgotten. <laughs> it's just describing, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the waxing he got done on his feet and right. I the, don't know what the fuck the that finish, was, but the finish on the gun. And yeah. The, there's, I went back and forth as we were writing this going, fuck, is it just too, too linear? Is it too just story driven? Is it too right. just, you know, cause this, um, this book is, it, you know, it moves and it's a quick read. And that's part of me is like, well, fuck, that's no good. Or part of me is like, no, that's great. And Mm. it's always that I'm sure there'll be a time where I write the 1200 page, uh, memoir where I'm manifesto. Yeah. The manifesto that I send out. Um, dear Hillary, dear, (laughs) uh, reason, reason number one of 306, why you should marry me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my struggles. Um, <laughs> I think that there was a good kind of mix of that hit. And this is one of those chapters where you, you get enough flavor, but you can fill in your own experience and, and the blanks. And yes, he, he finds out on the chip, you know, that name is, is, you know, behind this thing and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, which is great story stuff. But then we pop out of that and actually get to some, Someone said a long time ago what the main difference is between plot and story. And I forgot what they said, but I know it was important. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. And I remember thinking, we need some of that sweet plot Mm -hmm. or story. I don't know what we have more of. I'm not really sure. But no, I know you're saying. Like, finding that balance of staying in one place for too long and telling people this is important and it's not. You know, counting the the cobblestone (laughs) in the streets is just at some point you go and the roads were bumpy. I don't, I, I mean, you, you got this into my head pretty early on, which was, is this detail important? Is this serving the story? doesn't really matter. Always ask that. Yeah. Always, you know? Yeah. If you're just describing stuff to describe stuff, I'm wasting your time. I'm wasting my time. It's probably not the best for anybody. I, I get it. There's probably, there, there are the types of people who want that, who want the the sort of like Game of Thrones style, like what food did they eat? What did their farts smell like? Mm-hmm. You know, what was what was the smell of the perfume? What was the dragon's breath? like? It's like, I don't think I can ever write like that. And if I try to, it just it I don't think it's very good. <laughs> so, I mean, even this is just barely, yeah, barely <laughs> digestible, <fucking> readable. <laughs> The, this is this is the micro the preheated this is the chili's two meal of books. Oh yeah, this is yeah. the two for twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the uh, the reheated burrito I got before my flight to San Jose. 
not even a great place. Just, but it goes down quick and it gives you what you need temporarily. Uh, and it moves. Yeah, it moves <laughs> quickly. And it moves out everything around it. It just pulls yeah. it in and down and out. Talking about lingering and breathing, the kind of skipping through some things in the chapter, but when we get to the electric sleep, which is not a reference to anything. Nothing. Uh, when Carrie kind of starts coming into his own and uh as you'll see the progression of carrie um this is the kind of uh even by this point carrie's feels a little older um but that, that was sort of the hope is he's on this like hyper age thing. right yeah. he's, he's hyper aging but there's the story of the uh of the turk which i had completely forgotten about until you had, had mentioned it like it was something that yeah. I remember reading a long time ago and completely out of my mind. One of the old stories of uh, the world becoming new, sort of. It was like the invention of the automaton. And, of course, it plays chess. It was like, it'd be a waste not to even mention that right. in some way. And what I wanted to do with that was just say, ultimately, this, the why doesn't matter. Or the how doesn't really matter how it works. Because there's so much speculation there's a lot of documentaries there's a lot of just people trying to figure out how they did it ultimately people land on one or two theories of what it was but the moral of the story was did that make you feel better <laughs> you know like it's i i wanted it to just serve as a moment of connection of hey um you're not alone there you may feel alone you may feel trapped but at the end of the day, you can laugh at someone else's misery and move on with your life, which is like kind of a reoccurring theme. But, yeah. Um, it was just a cool moment to, to have Carrie kind of step out a little bit more and kind of be that shoulder to cry in a little bit. Or just, I always wanted a friend who would. <laughs> Let's cut it off of there. <laughs> Let's cut it off there. Uh, just, I think everyone wants that moment in their life to be coddled. To just be like one of my earliest traumatic memories was like trying to cozy up next to my dad and be like, like, I just want to be next to my dad. And he pushed me away. <laughs> and there was always this longing in my life to like, I want, I want someone who's like, I want that comforting parental or even like familial, just something, anything to mm -hmm. say like, it's going to be okay. And just it was fun finding a way to like relate it to the story and keep it in the world. But like, that was, that was me working out some of my shit of just here's, here's someone who just kind of loves you no matter what. I would love if someone gets to that part and goes boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny about the Turk is when I, when you reminded me of it, I immediately remember the feeling I had as a kid when I first heard about it, which was being creeped out. It's an uncanny, uh, it's, I mean, that's the definition of uncanny. It's this yeah. thing that's, it's real, but not real. And it makes you feel that for me, it's a little weird, weird tingle between, you know, the, you know, and, mm -hmm. and lefty and righty. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I immediately felt that, that strangeness and that offness. Cause I remember as a kid reading about it and being like, holy shit, what was it? Like, why didn't, why didn't scientists pursue this? Why didn't, you know, was this lost technology? It's almost like an Atlantis thing or something where right. you're like, why do, you know, do, does everyone know about this? And yeah, 
you almost want to uh, prescribe like magic to it or, you know, like, a, sure. a, you know, a part of you is like, maybe it was mm -hmm. something special and we just write it off. But I don't know that it, it brought it to a very real place to me when I started kind of remembering mm -hmm. it. And uh, also another thing. <laughs> your obsession with Edgar Allan Poe and fucking syphilis. Like, <laughs> like I, I know a lot about Edgar Allan Poe. We both read probably all, all the stuff or, or most of the stuff. It's you all know, Simpsons Halloween special yeah, it's all the, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, nevermore. And, but I knew all this stuff, but I never focused on any, the syphilis stuff. And I cut out a lot of syphilis. There was like, there was three more paragraphs of syphilis talk like, yeah. oh, and by the way, he had syphilis. Oh, and then his lover came and then he had yeah. syphilis. And I, it was so much that I was like, is Adam in trouble? Does he? <laughs> and I was like, does he need <laughs> penicillin? The way my brain works, which barely is weird, because of syphilis, the, it makes the words hard. Yeah. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I remember reading Edgar Allan Poe's a kid, uh, thing like, uh, the red, was it the Red Death? Mask of the Red Death was like the first one. And then like Pit and the Pendulum. What's the one where he like bricks him in one by yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, Like those were like kids books. That, like, they, they When they like repackage stuff, you know, right. like, H.P. Lovecraft for kids is like because it's public domain and they can just right. resell it. it. Yeah. So I remember reading those as a kid and them freaking me the fuck out. But then coming back to it in high school and for whatever reason, you learn more about the author's lives, which is not really that important. But me remember it was my teacher's obsession that he married his cousin and he died of syphilis or some he had syphilis or it was something like that and it's like you know he had a pumpkin head and all these like these things that, he never mentioned this on his podcast either you had really. to find it out later yeah po talk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which like when you, you, it's 2002 or whatever and you're reading about some dude marrying his cousin you're like ew gross and like really in the context of things like no, that's what that was probably the safest bet yeah. for him Back then, uh, the thing that actually bugged me is while working on this is uh, I was never taught actually his like contributions to science. He essentially predicted the Big Bang before anyone else and wrote it in a sort of he inspired um, theory, theory of relativity. A, a lot of these things. Well, that, a lot of authors did, you know, inspired actual scientists. Yeah. yeah. And so. While the the thing that I wrote was kind of in jest, it was more of a going back to our idea of facts and history just kind of being lost to time. Right. Yeah. And the most important things are, did Edgar Allan Poe have an affair with a man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did he have syphilis? Did he marry his cousin? It was the... That to me was more comical. But like in reality, I have nothing but respect for everything he did. And that like, obviously his love of the Turk and the automaton and all that stuff was because even though he was like a horror author and that's what he did to survive. Yeah. He was a man of science and he, he'd love to like theorize. He was, he was the sort of guy who would know how the Turk worked, but he wouldn't tell anyone because it's more interesting to guess. It's more of a, it's cooler mystery. Yeah. yeah. And so in a weird way, this was like my love letter to Edgar Allan Poe in a really dumb, stupid way. Cause it's, it's meant to be a endearing kind of story. Ultimately, it brings Noel and Carrie closer together, which is what it's meant to do, even though it does a really shitty job of paying any sort of respect to Edgar Allan Poe. So this is also the point where there was a little line in there where it said that 
Turk would challenge people to a simple game of chess. And our editor said, there's no fucking simple game of chess. Take this out. I'm like, All right. Point taken. Yeah. Yeah. Chess so, master. And we did that. If I was reading this for the first time, I'd probably skip this part. I'd just go boring. Next. Boring. Right? And then go, oh, cool. They found name. Our name found them. Nice. Yeah. Let's just tell me how the story ends. That's all I can. We should just include include the Cliff Notes version would, for each chapter. Would the Turk... I think the Turk would be in the cliff notes because I think because there's the connection with Carrie, I think, but of course in the cliff notes version, it'd be like, Carrie tells a story about an ancient uh, robot <laughs> and it, and it endears him to Noel. I always try to think of, I had a, I had a really cool English teacher uh, later in high school. I think I was a senior. I'm not, I'm not really sure. It was, but I remember his warning to us was, I'm going to give you quizzes after we read, but I also read the cliff notes. And so everyone's like, oh shit, you can't just read the cliff notes. But I always try to think of what's the question on the test for Rook. Mm-hmm. I was like, what endears Carrie and Noel to be closer at the end of chapter or log 13? And the answer would be the story about the Turk and go, well, half points, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Whatever. But so yeah, maybe it would be included. The English teacher, that inspired me that that inspired me to say like some of the things I, I talked to you about, like with, uh, you know, obviously show don't tell, but you know, um, voice things and, and, uh, descriptions and all this stuff. And who also, uh, got me interested in Edgar Allan Poe, like who was my idol. I found out while we were writing this, like the, the new story came out, he was a pedophile <laughs> and he was arrested and all of these things that I've been saying, that's i mean it was the biggest influence on on my writing it was he was sentenced to jail while we were writing this book that's the saddest part of the story yeah i don't did i ever tell you that no yeah it was it was crazy it was uh yeah i mean and the thing is without fail every couple weeks you know i mentioned you know uh, Mr. So-and-so, you know, this it, huge influence on, on, you know, how I approach writing. It's not like, you know, he, he mentored me or anything like that, right. but like, you know, the things that you keep in mind, like from, from rhetoric, et cetera, re, you know, rhetorical, um, strategies that you use and stuff. Yeah. Fucking pedo, man. I think it's a good place to end this log. So I, I need to see if, the teacher who I wanted to thank when this comes out. You need out. to look it up. I'm going to show you the art. Actually, we'll, here, let's post the mugshot right here. <laughs> you can see what we're talking about. I don't want to call. I don't want to. The guy used to get, he used to, he's like, you can email me anytime in the night and I will uh, answer your questions I'll about, about the essay. I'll be up doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on, you know. I'm usually in chat rooms. Yeah, God I'll be buying and stuff. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. keep, t- this is not even going to stay in. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not showing a man's mugshot. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's mob justice. I know. Um, um, that's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me. Use a VPN. Yeah, use a VPN. <laughs> uh, always ask for an ID. I I kick ourselves for not reaching out to uh, NordVPN before any of this. I'm like, God. Perfect segue. Oh yeah. The stuff that, especially like when you're researching, like, Oh, you know, uh, 
sex bots and whatever, you know, and my, from writing this book, my fucking search history is so it's ruined forever. My Netflix is ruined. Oh, yeah. My search history is ruined, you know, mm-hmm. because the things you're researching, they think you're some futuristic, like uh, I, I, criminal. I did look up explosive rounds. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Like I was trying to figure out like, Oh, I just wanted to write a, a throwaway line for something. And I was like, what isn't an explosive round? Like what's, what's, how do you make one? Yeah. How do you make plasma? Yeah. Like how do you, how do you make plasma um, for a plasma rifle? And yeah, I, I, I am. I, I, yeah, absolutely. There, I have an FBI agent assigned to me. They're like, keep, just watch this one. Watch this neighborhood. Yeah. Track, you know, the burden that comes with being a renowned writer. Yeah. I didn't say it was positive or negative, just renowned. Yeah, renowned. There's plenty of awful things that are renowned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Bachelor. I want to take this moment to let you know that this podcast is uh, brought to you by VPNs. Use them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that's a that's a real great way to fuck someone over. Just get a laptop or even a phone. I guess these days figure out their Wi-Fi or you're on it and just download a bunch of torrents. Yeah. Oh, and try and frame them for, yeah, I don't think unless you're downloading, I mean, terabytes and terabytes of like the newest Warner brothers, whatever. Yeah. Like no one gives a fuck if you're, you know, you're stealing third eye blind Mm -hmm. songs and putting it on your Zune or whatever. I, part of me wants to say third eye blind would care, but I don't know. Who the fuck is that? Are those the people who are renting this thing? What if they're back? Oh, shit. Oh. These are the people who were supposed to be out of the Airbnb that I think we... See, this is what happens when you try and uh, check in at 9 a.m. before the people who uh, were in there the night before had actually left. We should just invite the previous tenants on for one of these. Yeah. Just have them show up and describe what it was like to have two moderately sober people jacking each other off talking about their book. (laughs) 